we've been talking about the difference between conformed and transformed. And so here's the part of the scripture that we're going to look at first. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, this is a command. Now, see this word, and be not, this is, is Bilma, but it, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. And matter of fact, not only is it not a suggestion, but it's a command with a strong voice behind it. It's kind of like your mother says, come inside and wash your hands. But when dad gets a hold of the different tone, everything changes. So he said, don't be conformed to this world. This is a word called aeon. It's A-I-O-N. It means a dispensational time, not cosmos, not like the earth and the sky and the moon and the stars. And the reason why this is so important is because that every society wants to change the church. This is nothing new. Society wants to change the church. It always has. It always wants to press the church, fabricate the church, always wants to make the church or the believers in the way that the world is thinking. And he said, don't allow the world to conform you. And, and one Greek language, do this. Don't put your faith, trust, or emphasis in the world to help you. So the world cannot transform you. Only God can transform you. The world can conform you, but it can never transform you. So you say, what's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked that because there are two modern day toys today will best describe. Now, Chuck and Virgil, you'll like this one a lot. There are two modern toys today will best describe being conformed and transformed. Here we go. Number one, conformed. Conformed by Greek definition means kamazo. It means to lay out a pattern or a set of rules or a set of design where we get a word for a schematic drawing. Let's show that, Jordan, if we can show it. Does anybody know what that is? What is that? Best definition for the word conformed. Mr. Potato Head. He just comes simple, unbaked, and one shape. All right? Now, you can get him in other varieties. Let's show Jordan's got a few for you that need a good... We can get him this way. That kind of looks like me, kind of. That looks like Don Dixon, kind of. <laughs> that looks like Resendez with a Dallas Cowboy helmet on, but he's got a Las Vegas Raiders shirt on. I don't, he is confused. I have no idea. We'll just, we'll just say it's... We'll, we'll pass. Thanks, Virgil. That looked like Robert Albrisky right there. Being conformed is the idea that you always need somebody to provide the parts. See, you're born this way. So your identity will depend on somebody with parts. So somebody will come along and say, you know what you look like? And, you, and because you're, you're a blank piece of canvas, you'll say, I, I don't know. And, and the husband said, you, you look like a, a dope smoker. You look like a meth addict. 
you look like somebody that belongs in a centerfold of a magazine. That's what you look like. And because we go through our life not really knowing because we come out this way, then, then our whole dependency is on other people providing parts. So your whole life, somebody comes along and says, here, let's try this on you. And they stick a stinking Dallas cowboy hat on you and, and, and they put you in this, this Darth Vader looking suit. And your whole life, what happens is people pulls parts from you and they're messing with you your whole life. And your whole identity is based around other people providing external parts. Until one day, watch this, you wind up back there. And then you say this to yourself, I really don't know who I am. My whole life they told me to be this, and my whole life they told me to be that, and the whole life they told me to lengthen my dress and, and shave off my beard and, and raise my hairdo and put on high heels, take off high heels, put on makeup and take off high makeup and all this stuff. And I've gone through all the religious rings of the church, and at the end of the day, I still don't know who I am because my whole identity depends upon external parts provided by other people. One of, the, one of the most horrific scriptures that's used in John 14, this is what Philip said, been with Jesus for about three years and two and a half months. And this is what he said. Now get this in this concept. Philip looked at Jesus and said this, if you would just show us the Father, the, the King James says it would suffice us, and that's a horrible word. He said, if you will show us the Father, it will make us happy. If I just had a better job, I know I would be happy. If I had a, if, if I had a, if, if I had a Harley instead of a Honda, I know I'd be happy. If I had a, a three-story house instead of a two-story house, I know I'd be happy. If I lived here instead of Cordell, I know I'd be happy. And, this, and listen, listen, listen to what, and that's probably true, but, 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 but listen, listen to what's going on here. Jesus has poured him himself out for three years and two months. In less than 14 days or 11 days, he will be crucified. They've seen him heal the sick, raise the dead. They've been eyewitnesses to everything you can imagine. And Philip, this great disciple, says this immortal words, infamous. But if you would just show us the Father, that would make us happy. Watch this. Nothing in the world outside of knowing God in a personal relationship can ever make you happy. Amen. Never. I don't care if your favorite team wins. I don't care if you get a promotion. Listen, money's not the answer. If you win the lottery tomorrow, you'll be miserable because I'm coming to your house and I'm going to bum some money off of you. <laughs> And I'm going to say, hey, I'll tell you right now, you're a little behind on your tiles. You're like 17 years behind. And the way we got figured up, whatever you want, we'll take 50% of that. You know, so what happens is you, you go through your whole life waiting for people to conform you to age and, 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 and society and say, well, this is what the church should look like. We, 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 we should blow out the walls and we should put in a smoke machine and do all kinds of crazy things. And, 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 and you see how silly that is? Matter of fact, he tells Aaron in the Old Testament, he said, when you make this, 
when you make this garment, he, he, this is what he said. He, when you make, he said, don't alter it, don't hem it, and don't lengthen it. Make the man adjust to the garment. When he's telling you this, that we can't adjust Christ what we want him to be. We have to adjust to who Christ is. So you spend your whole life waiting for other people to apply parts. And, and today that you're a leprechaun and tomorrow that you're a Darth Vader and the next day you're this and that and you go through your whole life and watch this and you're never really satisfied or complete on the inside. You know why? Because that's God's design. He doesn't want you to be happy nor satisfied by the production or the process of other people and external parts. True happiness and content can only come through a relationship with him. It's true. So let's go back, let's, let's go back to the first Mr. Potato Head and see. This, this, for whatever reason, somebody chose for this guy to be like this today. Pretty happy, pretty go lucky. But in a moment's notice, somebody can pluck his teeth out remove his mustache, remove both ears and his nose, and we go back to square one. What I'm trying to do here is this. One day I'll be long gone. One day you will be in a position where you won't have anybody to, to touch you or hand you external parts. One day you'll be in a, in a bad place where you go, if I could just make it to the church or if I could get hold of pastor, I'm so mad I tried to call him last week and I couldn't, I, I couldn't get him. I know I got caller ID and I didn't want to talk to you. How's that? <laughs> Boy, that makes me so mad. Why should it make you mad? Well, I needed something. Everything that God has given you, it's already inside of you. So we find ourselves back to square one, Mr. Blank. And the honest, if we can be honest this morning, this is where the majority of you are this morning. This is where we find ourselves in the majority. It's always a blank piece of canvas, always a blank Mr. Potato Head waiting for somebody to say, hey, would I look better a redhead? Do I look better with a hat on? Do I look better? And, and you wait for the influences of other people to dress you up every day and still you're miserable on the inside. Am I telling you the truth? I am. So the second one is the word transform. Back in about 1984, and I know we're, we got some millennials in here. You're not going to believe this. But about 1980, 1980, 81, they first come out with Atari and this Pong business. It was really, it was really exciting to me and Gala, but it was boring to people now. Three-year-olds play games, you know. My, my grandson Alex would take my phone and he can get off in there where they're speaking French and, and Spanish and I don't even know how to turn the thing on. True. So my oldest son, Corey, one day, it was right after Christmas. I mean like a day after. He was in the floor messing around. I don't know how old he was, seven or eight. I don't know. It was somewhere around 1982, 83, 84, 85, somewhere in there. And he's in the floor and I'm sitting in this chair in the front room and and, and I don't know if the television going on, probably not, because it's, it's a joke. But we had the, the big console TV, and it went out. So we stuck another on top of it. <laughs> and the same boy put a magnet up against that one, and it drew all the juice out of it. 
See, that's what they learn in school, the science projects. Don't do that. It'll ruin your television. And so we had a little bitty six or eight inch television on top of a three stacker. It looked like a cake. And that's the truth. She'll tell you. So the TV might have been on, but our chair was from here to Aaron back there, and the screen was that big, and when you're watching little Jimmy Dickens, it don't matter. He looks like Adam Ann. And Corey's down there messing with a little blue toy. It, it's just, and, this, and, and, and he's within hearing this monitor for me, and, and he's just down the floor playing. Not a bunch of toys, one. That's unheard of today. And it wasn't even electronic. And, and he was down there on the floor doing something, and I saw him, and he's messing with, and this is what he said. Transformers more than meets the eye. Some of you get it. And so he's playing with this toy. And I'm watching him, and he's, and he's singing this little song. And I kind of heard it on television, but I didn't pay any much attention to that because I worked in the oil field, and I worked for crazy hours. So, but I was glad to be in the same room with him, and he's down there. And next thing I know, he had another toy the same color. It was a standing robot man. Now I think it was either a truck or a car. And then, and then before long, it turned into a boat. And I said, where, where did you get that? And how did you get that? And let me see that. <laughs> and this is what it was. It was a transformer. And the difference between Mr. Potato Head and a transformer is that everything that it needs to change into another visible dimension is already there. It doesn't need any extra parts. It's already in the toy. So he was messing with it. And I said, do that again. So I think this is Optimus Prime. And, I, and, and whatever he had, it was something like that. I, I don't know. But he had it and, and, he, and he flipped it around a little bit and it turned into a, a car or, or a truck. And I go, and I, I said, where'd you get that at? And I think Gayla's mom bought it for me. And I, said, and I said, does it do anything else? He said, watch this. And it turned, it had, it had three functions. It would turn to a, a robot. I think it would turn to a truck. And I'm going to say it would turn to the mascot of Georgia Bulldog. I don't know what it turned into. It, it turned into something. So you know what I did? I said, let me have that. Give that to me. And I took that thing, and it was like working on a Rubik's Cube. I had that thing twisted. I had parts popped off and trying to put back together. And he said, and this is what he said, and it hurt. It hurt. It hurt bad when he said this to me. This is what he said, eight-year-old. He goes, do you want me to show you how to do that? <laughs> That's what he said. Of course, that hurt. I said, please do. I had it in a wadded mess. When I got through it, it looked like a porcupine come out of a dryer. I mean, it was just stuff in the wrong place. And so he took it and he worked on it and he stood it right back up. Now, this may seem comical to you. But the Apostle Paul is telling us in Romans 12 and verse 2 that the New Testament believers... We are God's transformers. You're not Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head.
If you're born again of God, and I don't mean religiously, if you're, if you're here on religion, it's like watching a comedy show with a sound off. And I understand. If you're just here because you, you, you think you can get in your good works and your talent and your skills and your knowledge, listen, you've got to be born again by the Holy Spirit. You've got to repent towards God and you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ on a daily basis. And what happens is the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and 2 is telling us we are God's transformers. Here's the good news. You don't have to go to people to pick up parts to become all that God has intended for you to be. It's already in you. Just let that sink in. There is more to AJ than meets the eye. There's more to Philip than meets the eye. There's more to Alfred than meets the eye. We as New Testament believers that we no longer want to live a lifestyle of being this Mr. Potato Head that we are so dependent upon other people to give us a sense of belonging, identity, and hey, do you have a spare part on you? And can you do this? And you do that for me? I've got to be able to have some sense of who I am. We are God's transformers. That at any moment in time that we can become all things to all people at all times by just the touching of his touch. You see, your life in God's hands, watch this, can come out pretty good. But you put your life in the hands of someone that doesn't know what they're doing, they'll make a mess of you. They'll tell you I love you and they don't love you. They'll tell you I want you and they don't want you. They'll tell you if you'll do this, that we'll accept you and you did that and they won't. If you put your hands in people whose motives and intentions is not good, they'll do like I did with Corey's Torrey. I mean, I'll have it in a mess you can't imagine. And even this morning, we come in there and we don't know who we are. We don't know what we are. We don't know what we want. People have lied about us, cheated about us, hurt our feelings and all these things. And finally, in a simple way, the Holy Spirit says this, as Corey said to me, would you like for me to show you how to do this? Oh, I got it. I got it. Oh yeah, I know you got it, but would you like, would you like to be all that God intended for you to be? And growing up in the Assembly of God Church and Pentecostal Church, you know, they looked down you and they demanded you. And you know, all those Baptist doctrines and all the Episcopals and Methodists and all that, they demand all this stuff. And if you'll put that on your head and if you'll put that on your back and if you'll say that and if you'll raise your right hand, listen, that's all external parts and he'll never make you happy. Well, there's only one thing I'm happy is just surrendering to God and say, God, my life is a mess, but I'm yours and I want you to take my life and transform it into what you want me to be. Amen. And if you'll do that, you'll spend the rest of your life fulfilling the Great Commission 
Corinthians 12 will tell you that there's nine, there's basically nine gifts of the Spirit, but he says this. Someone asked me today with an honest question, which gift do I have? Here we go. If you're born again of God, you have them all in you. I was taught in the church that you had specific gifts. Charismatic movement tells you you have specific gifts. So if, if you're sick and you don't have the gift of healing and you can't contact a guy with the gift of healing, you may be out of luck. All the gifts of God are in you. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, the word of faith, the sermon of spirits, tongues, even interpretation, working of miracles, they're all in you. Watch this. The reason why they're all in you because at a moment's notice, when you're least expecting it, God, by his handiwork, may shift you and you may say something for the first time in your life as you witness that has intelligence and meaning. And you go, where'd that come from? Right. <laughs> See, the worst thing you can do is this. Is go out in the street and witness somebody and somebody says, ask you just a very simple, basic question. You go, oh my goodness, I'll be right back. I got to call the preacher. I don't mind you calling me. Now, if I know who you are, I won't answer. But I don't mind you calling me. But wouldn't it make sense to understand that he's, if you're born again of God, that he's already put giftings in you. So let's learn and practice today. Let's learn what the scripture says. So our whole life that we're going to figure out in a few moments that we're, we're transformers. It means be transformed. And how do we do that? By the renewing of mind. And we'll talk about that next week. But you understand, God is in the business of not adding extra parts to you. So Adam was the original transformer. Stay with me a minute. Adam was God's original transformer. He first started out as soil. Then he went to being a man. Then he went to being a gardener. Then he went to being a zookeeper. Then he changed into a husband. Then God shifted him to be a father. And then God taught him how to be a covenant teacher for God's covenant. Same guy. No added parts. Everything that he needed was in him and originally in his creation. God just moved him and transformed him to become a man, a farmer, a zookeeper, a husband, a partner, everything he needed it was already in him. Let me show you this scripture when I talk about the teacher of God's covenant. What does that mean? He had to teach his boys. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. By faith, Abel offered up unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Did you know the reason why that's important? Because Abel was the first human on earth that worshiped by faith. Because dear old mom and dad didn't worship God by faith. Dear old mom and dad saw God eye to eye.
You see, there, there was no faith dealing with Adam because God walked in the garden with him. God talked to the garden. So there's no faith involved. God walked in, Adam talked to him. God walked in, Eve talked to him. I mean, there's no faith involved in this. God walked in, they're talking to him. But Abel was the first one to ever worship God right by faith because Abel never saw God. He only heard what his father told him about God. And can you imagine Adam giving him the father-son lecture? This is how we're going to have to worship God, son. How did you do it, Dad? I didn't have to do that. I saw him eye to eye. Well, what happened? He said, well, that's another story. <laughs> you will see what Abel did? He said under the teaching, watch this. Now, don't lose me. Watch this. Hang on a minute. Abel honored his father's teaching in spite of his father's failure. Woo, that's better than you're responding. Well, you don't know what kind of dad I have. I might. You don't know what kind of home I was raised in. Who cares? You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know who I live next door to. You don't know anything. I'll tell you, I don't know how to know anything about it because we are imperfect preachers preaching a perfect gospel. And somebody said, well, I can't go to church there because I, I, you know, I heard that he rides Harley and you know, blah, 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 blah. Get over it. In the nicest Christian way, and somebody said, well, my daddy was a drunk and my daddy did this. I understand, but sometimes you have to understand that even though that fathers make mistakes, they still have the ability to teach you truth. Oh, yeah. Truth, it's just truth. So if I do something stupid here, like go to Salt Lake City and marry nine wives and come back, I mean, that's just really, you know, that's not going to happen. It doesn't mean that I'm disqualified from the kingdom. It just means I'm disqualified basically from this church. And as ministers, we can disqualify ourselves, not from the kingdom, but from this church, because this is what happens. Anytime I absolutely do something absolutely stupid and reckless, then you won't trust me. Thank you. No, I'm not talking being judging according to your, your standards. I'm just talking about if I just absolutely go out and, and, and get drunk and climb on a flagpole completely naked at the first bank and trust building. And, uh, we got those pictures hidden. Don't worry about that. And then I climb back into this podium. You're going to say, I'm not hearing anything he says because that He's a complete failure. Hear me. Just hear me loud and clear. There's, I've never said that I'm the example of this church. I never said that I'm the perfect picture of this church. I never proclaimed to be the icon of this church. My name is not on the building. My picture is not in the foyer. I just happen to be the man that God called. Whether you like it or not, I'm that guy. And what happens is that we can disqualify ourselves as ministers. We can do something absolutely stupid and disqualify ourselves for this church body. Now, you can go off, and I guess you can go somewhere, and you can begin again. But I will tell you in the nicest way, because what happens, if we lose the confidence and the trust in people, then, then our words become ineffective. I, I know I'm long-winded, but it's okay. 
So Abel had to go ahead and believe the words of his father. Anybody here had a perfect father? Anybody here realize the older you got, your father was probably pretty good, pretty smart growing up? Yeah. But even though we didn't have a perfect father, understand that? But maybe your father had words of wisdom to teach you certain things about certain things. Just, oh, he don't know. He's the biggest loser in the world. But maybe at times in his sober moments, maybe he has some good words of, to help you in life. This is what Abel did. He had to look at his father and say, you got me kicked out of the presence of God? You blew it for all humanity, and you want me to listen to you? Huh, I don't think so. But he didn't, Robert. He said, that even though that you made some poor decisions, and even though that Adam didn't, but mom did, but we don't never blame mom. But I'm going to hear to your words because I want to honor God. Isn't that great? So here we go. First, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says this, that everything that pertains to life and godliness, according to his divine power that he's given to us, everything that pertains, pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Everything that pertains to, to life and godliness is already in you. It's already in you. It may be buried. It may be covered up by junk. It may be covered up by guilt. It may be covered up by poor decisions. But I want you to understand this scripture. You never have to go anywhere to get extra parts from people because before Jesus left, he made sure that everything that you would need for life and godliness, for this life and the life to come, he's already placed it in you. So you're going to say to yourself, well, if that's it, I'm going to stay home. You're missing out. Because I will tell you that by yourself and, and, and being alone, that, that maybe there's some stuff in your life that other people need to help extract. So that's why you come here a lot is because we do our very best to uncover and extract godly principles in your life. But I will tell you straight up, there's no part department here at this church. We don't have, this is not a salvage yard. You don't have to come here and say, well, you know, what do I need to make me feel happier, make me feel better? Listen, if you're born again of God, the working of the Holy Spirit's in you and all we need to do is come to this concept. God's in the business of transforming and shaping you and creating you what he needs you to be right now. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which is a great Christmas story. We'll have to deal with it at Christmas. But, and he said, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Some of you know this, but I've, I've dealt with this, and I've told you what all the Hebrew words means. And Isaiah, about 500 and some change, looking ahead in time, and he said, the day will come that even though the, he should be called Emmanuel, but he's God's transformer. Isaiah said, I'll see the day where he, this Emmanuel, this son, this child will, will walk down the streets of a Jerusalem, but it's more than just a child. It's more than just a Jewish boy. 
The word wonderful is a Hebrew word called pala. It means it's a change of climate, change of season. Summer's over, the autumn has come. It's the same word we get when God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It's the same word. When was the cool of the day for Adam when God walked in? Isaiah said, I see the day where it's just a child and it's just a boy. But on that day that God will transform him that he shall be called wonderful. Counselor, he'll say things, exahomahi, that's beyond your mind. The mighty God, El Gabor, it means signs and wonders and miracles. Everlasting Father, it's backwards. It means the Father or the pattern, the one who can give everlasting life. And the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew says it's the one who brings peace in his kingdom. You see, it's speaking about Jesus as God's ultimate transformer. He's not just a Jewish boy. He's not just a carpenter's son. There's more to Jesus than meets the eye. And some of them knuckleheads that they said, but is this not Jesus, Joseph, the son of the carpenter? There's something different about him. And some refuse to see it. And here's some information to you before we go home. Don't be discouraged because nobody really sees who you are on the inside. Because our elder brother Jesus experienced the same thing. Oh, they may say, well, it's just Travis and it's just Ernie and it's just Virgil. Nay, nay. It's just Jesus, Joseph's son. It's just a little snotty-nosed carpenter boy. But there was more to Jesus than met the eye. Would you agree to that? In Matthew... He's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of the living God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost and fire. In Romans, he's our justifier. In 1st, 2nd Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he is the redeemer of the curse of the law. And in Ephesians, he's the Christ of the unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God that supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead. In Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. Wow. In Timothy, he's the divine mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's known as our great pastor. Philemon, he's a friend that's sick closer than any brother. Hebrew, he's the blood of the new covenant. James, he's the great physician. First, second, third, John, he's divine love. Peter, he's referred to as the chief shepherd that shall appear. The book of Jude, he's known as the, the Lord coming within thousands of his saints and Revelation finishes it. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. There was more to Jesus and just met the eye. I say there was more to Jesus than just met the eye. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise this morning, huh?
So we go back to you. The problem with people that get disappointed and led astray is they put their life in the hands of other people. And they wind up in a mess. And they wind back to square one being blank. Without identity. Without a sense of purpose. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're tired of depending on the religious circle to provide parts for you, to give you an identity, that's a horrible way to go through life. We're called to be God's transformers. So Father, this morning, I just completely come to you as a mess. I've allowed people to mess with my emotions. I put my trust into the wrong hands. I put my faith into someone that I thought they knew what they were talking about and they did not. And I find myself laying on the side of a spiritual curb, beaten down, broken down, busted down, no hope for life, no hope for the future. And as my son Corey asked me a long time ago, Father, would you just show me what it could be like? So once again, Holy Spirit, would you just take my mind and my life and my heart and my talent and my giftings and my passion and would you transform me into what you always wanted me to be. And I'm so thankful this morning that at any time and at any place and at any point of life that you can just change and twist and move me and I become obedient to your word, whether it be to give a cup of cold water or as Jamie said this morning, just a warm hug and a bright smile. Transform us every day of our lives that we would be exactly what we were called and designed to be. In Jesus' name, amen. There's more to you this morning than you can imagine. Michael Edge, there's more to you than you can imagine. Michelle Edge, there's more to you than meets the eye. Albert Peoples, there's more to you than meets the eye. There's something great in you. There's something tender in you. There's something powerful in you. There's something strong in you. There's something compassionate in you. There's sermons that have not yet been spoken by some of you. There's songs that have not yet been sung by some of you. There's miracles that have not yet been performed by you. There's more than meets the eye this morning to you. So all we have to do 
is place our lives in the hands of God who knows what we need to become. Before our communion service come this morning, I want to say to you, thank you on the behalf of my wife and my family for loving us, accepting us, trusting us, tolerating her. Thank you. Thank you for allowing God to transform you into servants of obedience and forgiveness and tenderness and, and not being rude and judgmental and critical. Thank you. He's working on all of us. And you know what? I'm going to repay that to you. That night, Jesus sat down with his disciples and well, you talk about the original 12 potato heads. These guys had lost parts. They were carrying around parts. They was mixing and matching parts with one another. One was a zealot. One was a dedicated Roman Jew. One was a tax collector. They all had different motives and ideas and they were trying to inter intermingle parts and pieces and no wonder they were frustrated and confused. But this night, something different was about to play, take place. This night, all the parts and the pieces of who they thought they were and wanted to become were all laid on the table. So Jesus took the bread and he lifted the bread and he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. Your broken dreams and your broken lives and your broken hearts, your broken homes, your broken marriages, your broken minds. Jesus became broken that we could be whole. Remember, he left this in peace and not in pieces. And then he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, this cup, is for the forgiveness of sins, my blood that will be shed upon the cross. And as often as you drink of this cup and as often as you eat of this bread, it will remind you of me. So Father, this morning, with great joy, it's a great celebration. We celebrate Holy Communion in a different light. Not that it provides parts and pieces to attach to our blank spaces in our body, but it confirms what well, we already know that's true, that we're children of God, transformers. And we want to be all that we were intended to be by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn about two people this morning and say, you know what? I guarantee there's something about you that I don't know about. Tell them that. So, Don, tomorrow we go for a procedure. Brother Ron goes for the same procedure Wednesday. Stand with me, if you would, please. If you do not know, we have been diagnosed with prostate cancer, Brother Don. They found some problems there. We're going to go tomorrow and we're going to let the, we're going to let the medical people do what they can do.
and we're going to do what we can do. So before we take communion, we're going to pray for these two men. We're going to pray for Donna, for sure, Lorena. Upon the cross, Father, you sent your son not only be the reconciler of, of a holy God and an unholy mankind, but you sent our healer. You sent the one that could be transformed that by one touch, one word, that leprous diseases could fall to the ground. So we're asking you this morning, just because it's according to your word, that you'll transform once again and give life to my brother Ron and my brother Don, long life, health to their body. There's more to them than what people see there. There's, there's, there's greatness, there's compassion, there's strength, there's courage. Everywhere they go into this community, they are declaring the gospel. They are bearing light in dark places that these people are not even aware of, but you are. And so we're asking not only healing for their body, but we're asking health for their body. That they'll be a part of us for a long, long time. And we pray for these men. They're very important to us. Heal their body. Let the healer move into their life this morning and change them according to your word. And we'll give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering tonight, huh? Jesus is more than meets the eye, I'm telling you.